How are you all doing? Yeah? I know it's coming to the end of semester. People are feeling a little tired. Yeah. Um, Melissa's finished already, so whoop whoop for the Iowa people. Um, and Henrik and others. Um, so um, the last, last few weeks, uh, last few months, you know, we've been doing this all semester, haven't we? We've been talking about sin. Uh, and well done. Um, I know we've thinned the crowd a little bit, but, um, you know, <laughs> well done on sticking this out. Um, my wife said to me, you keep saying that these are tough topics. You have to stop saying that. So tonight we're going to look at the light side of lust, okay? <laughs> Nothing heavy. Just, no, you can't do it, can you? Okay. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I am, I am excited for what I believe the Lord wants to do tonight. Uh, as always, you know, we don't, we don't preach these things because we want knowledge. We, we preach because we want to encounter God and see what His Spirit wants to do in us. Um, and, and we believe that His desire is for us to have life and have it abundantly. Because that's what Scripture says. Okay, so we'll, we'll keep believing that. Um, but yeah, this, this, is a, this is a tricky topic. <laughs> Let's use that word tonight, okay? Um, you know, and it, it, it kind of brings, it brings, a, it brings a heaviness. Um, there might be, you know, some of us, when we, we hear that word, we, we might kind of want to hide. Um, we might just immediately feel shame um, and, and, and have that sort of sense of condemnation, and that's definitely something we want to see broken tonight because um, that's not what God has for us. Um, you know, I, I was going to say that I'll just paint a, a brief picture of lust, you know, because I think we all know what it is, and I'll just ask Matt to stand up. And just now you guys just say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe strut up and down a little bit, you know. Um, just, yeah. <laughs> there's, um, yeah, there's so many things that we could, we could say. Giselle had some interesting suggestions, um, but I'm not going to do any of hers. Um, but basically the ways, you know, we could get, laugh about this, but realize also at the same time how terrible it is. Um, I, um, okay, we'll come back to this. Let's see how we go tonight. Um, so we, we all know that's, that, that lust is a sin. Um, now, gosh, this is, there's so much to talk about tonight. I, and I actually, I wanted to talk about other things that we might lust after, other than, you know, sexual sin, but... There's just enough to talk about with this one thing. Um, but bear in mind, quite a few of the things that the Scripture is going to say when it talks about um, you know, sexual morality is talking about the lust of the flesh. Okay? And that, that's not exclusive to sexual things. It's the thing that Scripture talks about a lot, but it's not exclusive. Um, so there may be some truths that you hear tonight from Scripture that can, that can bring freedom in other areas as well. Okay? I'm not going to hit those tonight, but, but just bear that in mind. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> Okay. Let me, um, so let me, let me say this. Um, uh, there's no shortage of um, young men um, that come and see me um, who I see as really righteous, as having grown up in the church, who are very faithful, who read their Bibles. And I, I cannot tell you how many of the last year have come to me and told me their struggles with pornography and you know, masturbation and all the things that go with it. Um, like it's a problem. It's a problem in the world around us, and it's a problem in the church. Um, and the thing with lust is, it's a it's a really powerful thing that the enemy can use, um, because it does feed our flesh. It does feel good. It does give us a sense of power, a sense of control. Um, 
It does all sorts of things, that, you know, the chemicals that it um, fires off in our brain. You know, it's a biological factor here. Um, but this is also a spiritual issue. Now, there's also part of the spirit of our age is one of sexual immorality. Yeah, it's been getting worse and worse in, in our culture for decades, and it's <laughs> somehow still getting worse, as if we didn't think that was possible. Um, uh, Tyler and Matt and I were chatting last night, and Tyler said, you know, one of the interesting statistics he's seen recently is um, or, or someone did research on you know, access to pornography and who's, you know, who's accessing it. And, um, and unfortunately, the gap between men and women is closing. You know, and it's not because men are using it less. That this isn't just something that men struggle with, something that women struggle with too. Uh, and maybe for different reasons. Um, and I'm not, I actually can't speak to those. Um, but it's, some, you know, it's something that's so devious. Um, I, I remember a story a pastor friend of mine uh, told once where this woman came up t- for prayer at the church she was, she was visiting, and you know, she asked for prayer because her husband had been married, I think, less than a year, so like newlyweds. She said, you know, my husband has to have a sort of pornographic magazine next to his bed so that he can you know, feel stimulated. Um, and you know, it makes our sex life better, so he says, but all it does is just destroy me inside. You know, and, then, and so they talked to this woman, and you know, prayed with her, and they, they, at one stage they asked her, you know, so you know, what, what does your husband do? Um, and she said, well, he's a, he's a youth pastor. You know, it's, it's tragic. It's tragic. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't every sermon gone into a lot of scripture um, because I think we all know that sins are bad. But let me just read some scriptures relating to the subject. Colossians 3, 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. 1 John chapter 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So, you know, I think scripture's pretty clear. Like, we all know this is a bad thing. Um, and yet so many of us still participate in it. And that's really what we want to go after tonight. Uh, Kath and I were talking earlier today as well about this topic and just this, um, this really atrocious, terrible reality that our, our society is one where we... Now, we just consume bodies. Um, we can go onto the internet and find anything we want, pretty much. And even though we know that a lot of the things we might see come from trafficking and people doing things against their will and just the horrors, we still participate. And it's basically an economy of hell. Let's be honest. It's like it's currency of hell. And we buy into it. 
And you know, some of you might have felt this. Um, I was chatting to a friend of mine um, earlier this week who is one of the most holy righteous men I know. And I know and I believe him that in the past he's never struggled with sexual sin. Like it's just like it's not something that bothers him, you know. Um, he bothers, other things bother him, but not this. And I was, I was talking to him about some stuff and he's saying, you know what, I don't know what it is, but over the last few months I've been struggling with sexual sin. It's like it's hitting me in the face and I, I don't know why. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, I just don't know, but the temptations are there, temptations I've never had. And not just normal temptations to so maybe I commit adultery, but terrible things. Um, and honestly, that's, that's something I've felt since I started this series. I've had things coming into my mind that have just been awful, and it's exhausting. And it made me so excited about this series. Because if the enemy wanted to torment me just at the thought of doing what we're doing, then that's great. And we're going to press in, and we're going to get some freedom. But there is a reality, as I said, this, there's a spirit of the age that festers in this, that uses it. And you'll find if you, you know, if you have discernment of spirit, or even if there's something you struggle with, you might find when you go to certain places, you struggle with it more, because there can actually, there are, there are spiritual forces that are involved. So I, I've traveled quite a lot around the world, and I, I will feel it as soon as I get off the airplane, or the airplane lands, like, oh, okay, this is, I have to be careful. I feel it, you know, London's a good example. Centered really powerfully in London. Less so in Paris, interestingly, you'd think it was the other way around. Um, but it's, you know, and, and it's, it's bizarre. I have a habit when I, go, when, I, when I travel and I stay in hotel rooms, I will pray over the hotel room because I don't know what's gone on in that room before. You know, and every student, when you change rooms in, in a residence hall, like, you should be praying over those rooms because you don't know what's happened the last 50 or 60 years in that room and what sin has been perpetuated. And you need to pray the presence of God in. And you need to pray holiness and the blood of the Lamb over that space. Because this is something spiritual, this is something that we have to fight against, okay? It's, and you know, and it's, it's flesh and spirit, and both have to be fought. Um, you know, and there's so, many, there's so many things I could say, and my purpose tonight is most definitely not to shame us or kind of threaten us into obedience. Okay, quite the opposite. We have to talk about the reality of the evil of it and the reality of what Scripture says but guilt won't get us very far. Okay, we don't need more religiousness. Okay, what we need is more intimacy with Jesus. And that's a common theme through all of these sermons. What we need is more intimacy with Jesus. Um, last, well, two weeks ago, I went to a conference um, which deals with some really interesting cultural issues and, and some of the talks were on, um, on the metaverse and virtual reality and there's some really exciting things coming, but you know what? There's some pretty horrendous things coming. Now, if we're tempted now by pornography, what's it going to be like when we can actually go and participate with an avatar? Will it be sin because it's not really us? And we can get away with it? No one will know us. It'll be easy. <laughs> it's, it's really quite frightening. Already in the early days, the Ventiverse has been going for about three months, you know, and there's horrendous things already on there. Um, this is the world that's coming towards us. The temptations are only going to increase. But remember, 
that when the darkness rises, so too does God. And the darker the world around us gets, and the more lost it gets, and the more warped it gets in sexuality, the brighter the light of the church is going to be. And we have a beautiful message to give people. A message of purity and a message of a God who loves us regardless of what we've done. A real love and real satisfaction. And that's what we're going to head towards increasingly. Jesus says these words, I know we know them well, Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a rough scripture, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, I'm done. You know, I think I committed, I probably looked at women lustfully once. You know, um, I've committed adultery. It's, it's such a high standard. Some of us may have done this five or six times together, you know, already today. And obviously that scripture comes from the Beatitudes. And Matthew 5 is just full of things which seem absolutely impossible to achieve. Rejoice when you're persecuted. <laughs> That's hard. It's a hard scripture. But Jesus obviously is talking about the ways of his kingdom. And he doesn't tell us that we can rejoice when we're persecuted. He doesn't say, don't even look at a woman lustfully, as if it's going to torment us and make us realize how terrible we are for the rest of our lives. Right? He, is, he is showing us that his kingdom is so much more powerful than the law. That the power of his spirit in us is so much more powerful than the law. Because the law is written on our hearts. And if we have intimacy with Jesus, we are no longer just trying to follow laws and try to be right and trying to be holy. We are following the one that we love. And it becomes natural. And dare I say, it can actually even be easy. I promise. <laughs> it can actually be easy. In Galatians 5, Paul writes this. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Do you feel a little bit like me when you read that scripture and there's like this hope? Like Paul is promising us if we walk by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The, the lust of the flesh, this is amazing. And at the same time you read that, you say, well, unfortunately I, I have. And so, like, what does that mean? Does it mean I don't have the Spirit? Does it mean I have a portion of the Spirit? Like, why am I in this kind of no man's land? Or this, you know, why? Why can I not be perfect? Why can I not be holy? 
the scripture we read earlier, be holy. <laughs> and so our experiences of the things that we get wrong, they make us question whether what Paul says is real. Okay, but it is real, and it is true. And we have to start believing it. And we have to start receiving it, and we have to start embracing it. When Matt and Tyler and I were chatting last night, again, we were saying, like, wouldn't it be really cool if when we believed Jesus and we were baptized, like, he just reset us? And sin was no longer a potential possibility in our lives. Wouldn't that be great? No more lust? No more anger? No more jealousy? No more envy? None of this stuff. Why doesn't he just do that? And it seemed like a really good idea at first that we should tell him to do. Um, and then we realized, but hang on, then we'd basically lose free will. We would no longer be choosing him. We'd be kind of godly robots powered by his spirit, but no, just little autonomous, yeah. Like he wants us to choose. And the amazing thing about our faith, and this is a really good thing, yeah, I, I do study some other faiths, um, not as much as others, but most faiths have sets of rules that you can follow. And you'll never be guaranteed salvation, but you can at least have a good shot at it. Now, it's, it's interesting, you know, within Islam, you know, we, we have these interesting discussions about veils, you know. Because Muhammad said women should be modest. I think scripture says that somewhere too. Okay, but within Islam now, some women have to wear burqas. Full robes. Because apparently they're the weaker sex and need to be protected. And I think it's actually the men that need to be protected. But there are these rules that you can try and follow. Make yourself holy. Make yourself right. Remove temptation. And our faith doesn't work like that. You know, once again, there's no checkbox list of things that will get you into the right place. What Jesus wants, what he always wants, is our surrender and our friendship and intimacy. And that is the absolutely easiest thing and also sometimes the absolute hardest thing. In particular with the sin, um, you know, one, one of the things that we talk about with lust is that you know, we, we tend to have triggers. Um, I hate that word. It means all sorts of things nowadays, doesn't it? But we have triggers. So you might find, you know, and, and, and learn this. Like if, if you fall to lust, ask the Lord, like, what just happened? Don't just repent. Obviously, that's important. But ask him, why? Lord, why? I love you. Why did I just give in? Why did I just fall? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you, you might suffer from rejection. You might be angry. You might feel God's abandoned you. You might be hurting in some way, and you just want a little bit of comfort that you can control because you're tired of waiting for God to do something. And that's unbelief. Or maybe you feel entitled to some pleasure. And that's rebellion. 
but it's, lust itself is a sin, don't get me wrong, it's clearly a sin, okay? But so often that sin is just building on something else, and you've got to take care of the thing that's something else. And the Holy Spirit has the ability to teach you. I've shared the story before, so I'll, I'll just tell this quickly, but you know, of, of a friend of mine in England, he was in his 60s and had struggled with sexual addiction his entire life. And he was a holy man, and he was a godly man, but he wrestled. And one day he had had enough and he went to get prayer. And this young person, who'd been hearing God's voice for like two years, you know, had this vision of this man being molested when he was like two and a half years old in a car by an, by an older man. And she said, I have this picture, it doesn't mean anything. And as soon as she said it, the, the, the memory came back. And he had completely, he completely hidden that memory. And that sin was exposed. And he forgave the person, which was not easy. And he received forgiveness. And the power of sexual sin broke. And bear in mind, he hadn't done anything wrong. This had been done to him. But that sin had marked him. But the Holy Spirit was gracious. And I don't know why it took so long, but I know like, at that time, this was time, the time that God chose to do it. And maybe this guy had never asked for that prayer before because he was supposed to be holy and righteous. And sin loves the darkness. And maybe the sin more than any other. And I'd, I'd really encourage you, if this is something you struggle with and you can't get to the bottom of it, go and get prayer from people. Okay? And I, I believe in accountability groups. I think they're helpful, having accountability partners. I think it's good to have someone that you can go to when you fail. But quite often, we choose people that have the same weaknesses as us, and they have absolutely no power and authority to see us free. Okay? Go to someone who has the Holy Spirit in them, so much that it actually scares you just a little bit. Okay? And bring that darkness into the light with this person and see what the Holy Spirit can do. Don't hide sin. And don't tolerate it. But let God's light shine on it. As with so many sins that we've talked about, okay, I'm just gonna say this over and over and over again. Okay, we're not gonna get free from our efforts. Okay, so don't get me wrong. This sin in particular, you're gonna have to make choices. Okay, because when you lust and you sin and your brain gets all those chemicals, your flesh gets addicted to it and it's going to be hard. It is hard to break it. By the grace of God, he can actually make that really easy. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might just say, you know what, let's see you work. I want to see you fight for this. And that's up to him. But I know that he will fight with you and he will walk with you. So this is not all just about being passive. Don't hear me saying this is about being passive, Okay but we are never gonna achieve righteousness through our own works. I mentioned this in an earlier sermon. You know, so many, you, know, you I, my wife gave me a book by a, a general from the US Army, he's a Christian, he wrote this, how to be a man book, and it's great if you're in the army, because they teach you how to be a man, or West Point, you know, will you? Um, and, that, and that's probably true, you know? Not, most of us don't go through the military. But it was this idea of just kind of manning up, manning up, manning up. And some of us just get more and more holy and read your Bible more and do this more. Maybe you can pull this off. Or read books where you blink at yourself. 
Don't look at any pretty girls. Keep your eyes on the ground. And as Giselle was saying last night, it'd just be amazing if girls just didn't wear that ever. Hey, Giselle. Yeah, then men wouldn't have any problems, would we? Yeah. Why don't you make our lives easier? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Because obviously that's nonsense. You know, guys, if a girl walks past you wearing tight clothes, it's a really good purity check for you. Okay? How does your heart respond? If it doesn't respond right, get on your knees. It's got nothing to do with her. Sort yourself out. Okay? I know a guy who ministers in brothels where all the women are naked. And he thinks that idea of blinkering is hilarious. It's like, well, what the heck? How am I supposed to do that? Like, I'm literally leading a woman to Christ who are naked. And I have to love them as, as made in the image of God and beautiful daughters. <laughs> so... Again, don't hear me wrong, this is not about being passive. But if we, if we base our getting free from lust in our own works, you, we are going to fail. And then when we fail, our shame, condemnation, all that stuff piles on really easily. And desperation piles on. Because you know, what else are we going to do? And some of us have probably got to that point where we realize, actually, we've been trying this for years and it's just never going to work. Hmm. The thing is, we just, we have to surrender. We have to surrender. If... um, Again, I I wish, I mean, I'm going to pray this. I wish I could snap my fingers and we could all have a revelation of Jesus and see how amazing he is and never have any problems with sin again. You know, I can't do that. And I I can't give you a a checkbox how to get there. But what I can say is Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you open it, I'll come in. I know that his desire is to know us intimately. That's his desire. And I've said this before as well. When the more that we fall in love with Jesus, then the choice to sin is not about being holy or unholy, obedient or disobedient. It becomes so much more about hurting the one that we love. And shame is bad and condemnation is bad, but hurting someone that you love is far worse. The Apostle John says this in 1 John 2, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Have I got my glasses? I do. I'm going to read, read a, a paragraph. Some of us have been reading this back to the gospel book. Um, and if you haven't read it, uh, you know, get it a group or, or read it. Um, it's basically about the gospel, back to the gospel. You know, it's, uh, and it's an amazing book um, written by a guy called Peter Louis. Um, and Peter shares a lot in two chapters about his struggle with, with lust. Um, amazingly honest for a pastor. Very refreshing. 
And he reads, uh, he, he, he read this um, scripture in John, and then he has, this, he has this image, this picture of Jesus. You know, he's just sinned, he's sitting on his bed. He's heartbroken that he sinned again, I've fallen again, like why, why am I such a failure? And then he says this, Jesus draws close. He sits besides me, beside me and places his arm around me. Looking at me, he begins speaking to the Father. And this is what Peter hears the Lord saying over him. Father, this is your son, Peter. Isn't he amazing? Look at how much he loves you and how much he hates his own sin. Remember when he was four years old and he put his faith in me and was baptized. I washed him in my blood and gave him my own righteousness. We sealed him with the Holy Spirit and he belongs to us. The only reason he is lusting after woman in this way is because our enemy has blinded him from seeing and believing the love we have for him. I love this man as you do, and I'm going to keep pursuing him with my love until it consumes him and overwhelms all of his desires. I'm going to pursue him until he is free. I'm going to pursue him until he experiences an abundant life. So Peter talks about his struggle with pornography for years and years. And then he, he, he senses the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to change the way you do things. Stop this sinning and then feeling shame and condemnation and then coming back to me two weeks later. When you sin, I want you to get on your knees and I want you to ask me why am I sinning and I want you to express your love for me and I want you to experience my love. And he said it took a couple of months, but what was amazing is the more he did this, even if he, it was five seconds after he had sinned, he would instantly feel the love of Jesus pouring out over him. And again, it wasn't that his sin didn't matter. He knew the sin leads to death. But Jesus' love was greater. And nothing separates us from the love of Christ. No sin can separate us from the love of Christ if we repent of it. And he says it came a point, and it took several months, but there came a point where just after one of these prayer times, the lust went. And he wrote this, I think, two years ago, and it had been 10 years, and he hadn't sinned in that way in 10 years. Like the power was just gone. But what it changed for him that he was that he ran towards Jesus. He didn't run away from him when he sinned. That his sin didn't disqualify him. He ran towards Jesus and said, Lord, I need intimacy with you. I need to know you. I need to experience your love, even in the midst of my sin. And Jesus met him and healed him and restored him. Oh, I've got so much here I haven't covered, but I want us to have some time to pray. Let me just um, say two more things. Um, first of all, just remember that this is sometimes a spiritual issue. And if you get more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you will start to pick this up. That lust won't feel like something that initially just comes from inside you, but it'll feel kind of energized. Okay? Um, <clears throat> if you don't know exactly what I mean by that, come and talk to me afterwards. Okay? But it feels a bit more powerful than it normally is, or something like that. Okay? If you sense that, then you need to pray against it, okay? Don't do anything else but pray in the name of Jesus against that spirit, okay? If it still doesn't go away, ask the Lord, Lord, why, why is this thing bothering me now? And see what he says. And you might say, uh, well, you just, you just didn't believe me for something, I just did. 
or you just did that, okay, and you've just opened yourself up. But when, it, when, when sexual sin is spiritually enforced, you need to break it spiritually, okay? So rebuke it in the name of Jesus because you have the power and authority to do that. Okay, bind rebuke. Spirit of lust, spirit of immorality, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Be gone from me. Simple as that. Okay. Don't fight in your own strength. Fight in the name of Jesus. All right, finally, like I said, there's no checkboxes, okay? Paul said, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not walk by the flesh. The two are intention. Okay. So this is wonderful reality that the more intimacy we have with Jesus, the more we walk by the Spirit, the less and less and less powerful the flesh is going to be. The two cannot coexist in the same space at the same time. Okay, so if you press into the Spirit, the flesh will weaken. It'll fight, but it'll weaken. And Jesus promises then to nail our flesh to the cross. There are no checkboxes, but there is this really quite, as I've said, wonderful, difficult, easy thing to do, and that is to believe. Paul says, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin will have no dominion over you. You may have sinned half an hour before you arrived here, but are you willing to believe that scripture? Are you willing to believe the power of it, that sin will have no dominion over you? If you've sinned 13 times today, will you believe that sin will have no dominion over you? Righteousness blossoms in the grace of Christ. And how do we earn grace? We believe. We repent. We believe. It's really not complicated, is it? Well, I have completely resisted the temptation to embarrass a whole lot of men in the church. This was an ideal sermon for that, let me tell you. Um, I had so many plans. <laughs> I just picked on you a little bit, Matt. Will you, will you stand with me and let's pray? Because now I'm starting to lose my voice as well. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Matt and Amanda just to s- listen to the Lord, see if there's anything else he wants to do, okay? Might be some corporate stuff to pray. Okay. You know, ultimately, I know so many of us have fought this sin. And I'm sure there's a lot of us that are despairing of whether we'll ever be victorious. And so the first thing, the first thing to pray tonight is against that unbelief. because nothing is beyond the reach of Jesus. Nothing is beyond his grace. And there's no part of us that his righteousness will not reach 
Jesus, will you forgive us? Any time that we have thought that, um, that we'll never see the end of this sin, that we're going to be a victim of it. That lie stands against your majesty, Jesus, and it stands against the power of your cross. And we do not believe it in this house. So we rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, Jesus, your goodness, and we declare your righteousness, that it's you that makes us righteous. It is you that makes us pleasing, holy, righteous before our God. Lord, some of us may be crushed by the weight of shame and condemnation. And Lord, I know that a lot of us have tried to be holy and we've tried to be good and, 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 and to follow you, to follow your commandments, these are good. But we've wrapped up our righteousness in, in our works and shame and condemnation, they eat at us because we've failed you. But you did not die that we would feel shame. You did not die that we would feel condemnation. You died that your blood would set us free. That your righteousness would make us righteous. So Lord, where we have been striving, where we've been competing, where we've been trying to prove our worth to you, would you forgive us? Forgive us for trying to add to your cross. Your cross is enough. Lord, would you help us to believe? Would you help us to believe in the power of your gospel? The power of your gospel that leads to your spirit living inside of us. Leading us in your ways. Defeating the flesh. Holy Spirit, would you help us to receive the wonder of the gospel? The wonder of intimacy with you. And Holy Spirit, for every, every son or daughter of God in this place that has not seen Jesus, that has not seen their Savior, that has not encountered his overwhelming love, would you reveal Jesus, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you reveal our God and our King, the one who loves us? The one who loves us. Would you allow us to experience your love? 
Jesus, you promised that the love that flowed between you and the Father and the Spirit, Lord, you would draw us into union with you. We're just asking for what your word says. Your presence. And Lord, I pray for your sons and daughters that we would not just be free of sexual immorality, we would not just be free of lust, but Lord, that we would be ambassadors of your kingdom and we would see freedom flow out of us and around us to those who are in bondage. Let us be agents of your kingdom, Jesus. Let us see lust break off our friends and our families and our dorm rooms and our sports teams all the communities that we're in, let us be agents. Let us show the world a better way.